In a words, Public Cameras, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope all is well. Hope all is bliss. We have first interview of 2023. First interview of 2023. I'd like to begin with a story. Um, I was um, an American friend. Uh, I'm in a group chat with with mainly other american friends right um she posted she she gave she shared this um video of uh this um uh black uh, british girl interviewing uh jonathan majors right because jonathan majors everywhere right now bro's get bro's got the keys right now right um but it, Basically, she asked him something, right? And the question doesn't really matter, but the answer he was talking about was uh, uh, Otis Redding's uh, sitting on the dock of the bay. And she was not aware of Otis Redding or sitting on the dock of the bay. She just had no no idea. No idea. And he was, and he was dumbfounded by it, you know? And she, <laughs> so my American friend shared it to me, uh, shared it to the group anyway and asked me I have a question and I saw it I watched the video I was just like hmm I wonder what the question is because the question is very obvious right do British people know about who's reading it's like yes yes I'm sure there are plenty of people in Britain that are aware of Otis Redding and I too am aware of Otis Redding and Seal on the Dock of the Bay. I might have actually bought it on iTunes like year, years ago before I, you know, when, when iTunes was a thing, right? I probably bought that track. So, you know, I liked it. At one point, I was spinning it heavy. I really love that track, especially like the whistling at the end. I really like that. Um, but obviously, the question was just like, you know, super obvious. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I'll just, I'd rather not have this conversation because I was, it brought me to a thought. It brought me to a point of thinking, and this is, you know, something that you know I've increasingly recognised as I've grown. Right, um, is that people live lives different, and when people live life live lives different, they experience different things. And obviously, as as pertains to this pod, and it pertains to my general interests, be it music or film, television, most arts, right? Um, you know, people have different tastes when it comes to that. So I turned the conversation on its head a little bit and actually had a just, um, I don't know, I was just asking, I flipped it and I was, qu- I was questioning, you know, maybe homegirl who didn't know who Otis Redding was knows a fuck ton about Fella Kuti, for example, right? Because my American friend was like, um, you know, we, you, 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 you ain't Texan because she's, she's Texan. Um, you ain't, you ain't Texan if you don't know Otis Redding, right? And you know, you, you hear it all the time when you're living, when you're Texas living, and I, I get that, right? Um, but that's not how everybody lives, right? Not everybody lives Texan living, 
same way that I can't name more than 10 Afrobeat artists, right? <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure Homegirl could, that didn't know Otis Redding, she may, she may be able, you never know, she may be able, she may be, she may, she may have uh, been pumped with Fela Kuti back in the day, right? Or if you're from, you know, uh, uh, island background, um, maybe you were pumped with like Altanellis instead of Otis Redding, or Desmond Decker instead of Otis Redding, you know? And that's just a small, that's just a small sample, right? And it just, it led me to think about this interview that I'm, uh, that I'm introducing today for this episode. As I was, th- as I was going through conversation and going for the interview, um, I'll preface one of my favorite interviews so far. Um, super loose, um, just how I like it, to be honest. You know, I really like, I, I crave for conversation these days. I really do. And especially conversations where it just goes anywhere. I love those conversations that just go anywhere. And it was great, right? But we'll get to that. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the conversation I was having with my American friend, my Texan friend. And I was thinking about this interview. And then I started thinking about the other interviews I've done so far. Um, You know, I've interviewed soul artists hip-hop artists from all corners of America, UK. And there was one specific that I was thinking about um, while I was, after I did this interview. I was thinking about last year, last um, November-ish time, talking to Apex Zero, um, and the parallels I found when it came to him and this interview I'm I'm introducing, uh, which is... Uh, the DU Goddess um, from Oakland, well, from many parts of California, as uh, as, uh, as as she will break down for you. Um, California, uh, born and raised, and raised in several other places, um, and has gone to different places around the world. Uh, MC Mystic, and. I found parallels between the two because they are, you know, very different in especially music. Um, but they all have, but they both have this. They both have this. Um, I think sim- very similar goals in personal growth, um, personal fulfillment, um, justice for their communities, and things like that. But they go about it in so many different ways. And it really brought me back to thinking about my Texan friend and how she was pumped with the likes of Otis Redding. But then I, in turn, was pumped with many different things. Jungle, drum and bass, R&B, and obviously now, more recently, hip-hop. So let's jump right in, off off the back of that story. Um, This is my interview with Mystic. Um, We go... So many places from her beginnings to becoming an MC, being talented in so many places, and many other tangents, including the my my hated words of recent times, content <laughs> and influencer, and uh, many other things. 
So let's jump right in. Grab your snacks, relax, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Miss Maddie, oh, sorry, Mystic, what is good? <laughs> greetings, greetings, greetings. Miss Mandy, Mystic, either is yep. okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're just uh, we're just uh, chatting off wax uh, before we began, and uh, yeah, Mister was telling a fascinating story about uh, what she did instead of our first uh, scheduled recording. Uh, so this is our second uh, uh, official attempt at it, um, and actually recording this time. So uh, yeah, here we are, yeah. beginning to cracking. Um, yeah, I usually ask um, a, a, a hangover from. Uh, uh, kind of uh, from COVID era where I was doing interviews at that point, uh, I was asking just in the beginning, uh, like, uh, what's your what's your current what's your current state health check, wealth check, and all that? How, how you been? Yeah, yeah, kind of how I ask people, how is your heart today? Um, oh, I like that. That's good. I I'm doing I'm doing really well. I am joyous and loved and loving in a mad world. Um, and I was talking with a friend this morning and he was telling me that his niece had a baby. And I said, oh, see, this is what I was talking about last week is like, there's horrific things that are that are happening and people who we love who were losing and people disappearing in wars and all these things. But children are laughing. Mm. Babies are being born. Right. And we're loving each other. And so that's that's my state. I'm in a joyous state. I'm not ignorant of the state of the world, but I'm 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 joyous and I'm in gratitude and I feel like I am standing in my space of grace. So I'm good today. How are you today? How is your heart today? <laughs> um, well, it's decent, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, I I do some. <laughs> uh, my sister um, asked me a few days ago. Um, because uh, I do some photography on the side, like just as a creative outlet, and uh, she asked me if I was if I wanted to uh, do wedding photography for her best friend's wedding soon. I was just like, um, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back. Do you, to you feel excited about it? Are you going to do it? Uh, I'm leaning towards doing it because 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 the 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 alternative. Um, I can't be worse than the alternative. Um, so I feel like I might as well give it a whack and see what happens. Yeah. You um, know what though? But yeah. You know what though? I'm going to tell you yeah. that, that my, my director of photography for a black love trilogy who originally it, he and, and my co-director were going to co-direct together, but uh, it, we were really blessed to have him just be able to be the director of photography. And part of what Kiata Brewer does is he has Swan Works films and he does weddings. And part of the reason I was interested in what he does is because he does them so beautifully. They look like music videos with this beautiful lighting and he captures the love so well. So as a photographer, I think that there there is so much power and possibility in in capturing moments of of love. So I hope you do it, and I hope it goes well. Yeah, indeed. Um, I guess the the hangout for me is just like uh, uh, I I do it for you know whenever I hit up a show, take my takes photos if I'm if I'm available to, because um, some venues don't, and I've talked about that before. Um, and uh, you know just 
when I take the dog on a walk or something, you know what I mean, to take it with me if the day's cool. <laughs> Test out some stuff, you know what I mean? So it's it's purely just like, like I said, an outlet, you know what I mean? So like, the, the added weight of just like, okay, this is someone's like, you know, important day and stuff like that and I want to get it right. It's just like, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's an opportunity. It's, it's an a, opportunity. Yeah. I, I, it's hope, I hope, I hope, I hope you explore it. But, but they wouldn't have asked you if they didn't, you know, like they wouldn't have asked you unless they they thought that there was something that you could do with that, right? Yeah. Sometimes I think we just have to make sure that we're we're open. People ask us to do things that we might not be super experienced with, um, but sometimes people see things in us that we don't see in ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I have a feeling this hour isn't going to be enough, <laughs> but we'll crack on regardless. Well, well I'll, 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 I'll limit my, my added story. Please do not. Please do not. Please do not do that. Please do not. Um, so I like to begin, uh, with the beginning of uh, everybody's story. Um, so Mystic, where were you born? I was born in Lower Lake, California on a hippie commune. I was born um in uh like a house in a room that was full of other people there's actually pictures of the birth and my father played like the banjo um and my mom got up and made pancakes for people um in the in the middle of labor um and she was in labor for like two days and then when i when i made it into the world i was passed around in the room to the people and and music was played and so it was a community celebration and and uh that is how i entered the world <laughs> that's uh yeah that's, that's probably the most detailed uh i guess uh literal, literal <laughs> answer to the question i've ever heard that's because usually people just say where they were born you know what i mean that's it like um that's well, fascinating me, so, yeah i did and I um, yeah it's amazing i love it um <laughs> So, uh, in terms of, um, uh, growing up past that, um, paint a picture of, uh, your, I guess your environment as you were growing up. Yeah. I've had a quite diverse and magical life. My mom had me when she was 21. I was born in 1974. Um, and she was indeed a hippie, but my mom also, um, uh, so let me say this. Growing up, uh, when you look at the pictures of me as a young child, I'm forever running around naked in streams and in the woods and on beaches and at waterfalls. And, Very 70s. Um, yeah, and my mom loves the beach, and I did too. Um, and then my mom took me back to school. She went to UC Santa Cruz, and we lived in student student housing Um and my godmother helped to run a farming collective. So I was still running around on acres of, of farms with, with solar power and outhouses and no like running hot water, um, but also living in San Francisco, right? Living in the Bay Area. So my life was this kind of balance of being in nature and being in the city. Um, we lived in the Central Valley of California for a bit. My mom was a farm worker organizer. Um, when companies were spraying the fields with chemicals that were impacting the children that women were caring. Um, And 
Yeah, as you own more years, your story gets longer. But anyways, in San Francisco, growing up there, mom is an activist organizer. She's involved in Carnival. I'm surrounded by people from around the world, Trinidad, Tobago, Jamaica. Um, you know, she's helping people get asylum coming from Nicaragua and Honduras. My mom is throwing her own house parties. Um, Hip hop is born around the time that I'm born. So I'm surrounded by music. Um, my mother always had me in the arts. I was in the theater. I was a dancer, a ballet dancer, a modern African dance. Um, and I grew up surrounded by amazing people in um, middle school or junior high school. Um, I experienced um, trauma. We were living in San Francisco. I kind of I moved over to to Santa Cruz for a while. And then my mother moved me to Oakland in the summer of um, ninth grade and my life was forever changed. I was put in this real urban environment in what we know here as the rolling twenties as a particular um, neighborhood. This is the time where there's crack cocaine. There's a real street economy, but I just explained to you that part of the way that I grew up was surrounded by love and running around barefoot in, in these places. And so, um, yeah, I think the way that I have ended up is a mixture of those. But um, so, yeah, I just I, I grew up uh, around urban places and natural places. And there was always a lot going on when I was a child. And my mom was always trying to save the world. And as a child, I think I wanted her to pay a little bit more attention to me. I'm like, well, you want to save the world, but what about me? And of course, as I got older and became an activist as a teenager, I understood more and more that part of our responsibility is to love each other and take care of each other and to try to seek justice in the world. So I was surrounded by all of that. Does that answer your question? I'm trying to like make it shorter, but also <laughs> give this, un give this understanding of like my life, my life journey has been quite magical. My first babysitters were pot farmers in Hawaii. I just ran around naked in the marijuana fields while my mother worked at a restaurant, right? Like my life is, yeah. is, is, is normal to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that it's quite different from the way that a lot of people have been have been um, have been raised. So I'm I'm a balance somewhere there between the street and 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 the nature. Yeah, it's uh, uh, eclectic. Um, it is eclectic. I think I think it's. <laughs> I think that's the best word for it to put it in a nutshell um so much to i guess yeah. unpack there um the question i usually ask afterwards is uh what were you like growing up um and i think oh. you answered that uh uh in in moments uh inside that um <laughs> i think after that i and you know you mentioned obviously uh you know that little dip into uh what you like as a teenager but i guess um out of everything that um out of everything that you were exposed to before and you were used to before um and you mentioned obviously i guess the uh how should we say it I guess like a 
shock of reality or whatever, um, or shock of a different reality, we should say, um, of moving to Oakland. And especially at that time you were talking about uh, in the early mid 80s. Uh, how do you now retrospectively? Um, well, mid late, late, mid late 80s. Mid late 80s. 80s. Okay. I'm not that old. <laughs> Uh, I got DMFs. It's it's fine. Um, yeah, mid to mid to uh, mid to late eighties. And uh, retrospectively, how do you, I guess, um, encapsulate uh, the shock of learning this world that a lot of people uh, are obviously more used to, I would say, than what you had growing up. Yeah. Um, I mean. I spent time growing up in San Francisco, which is also a very urban environment and was in the mission yeah. district. I caught buses out of school to, um, I was considered to be a gifted and talented student. So I got bussed out of my school to go essentially to a white school um, out in the avenues. And so I knew about urban environments, but not what I encountered in, in Oakland. And because I experienced the trauma I did in junior high, I, I think that that was a lens through which I experienced that transition. So in some ways, I was like, oh, this is exciting, right? Um, not recognizing the danger that I was putting myself in probably sometimes or not probably, but definitely. I trust people. I love people. I have always been that way and I am still that way, even though I know about the world. And so thankfully, you know, developing into a woman and as a teenager in Oakland, I I think I was more drawn to the history of activism and like the Black Panthers. And when you live here, you you grow up learning about that, not just like, okay, well, here's Angela Davis and here's Asada Shakur and these people that we kind of all know, um, but people who are Black Panthers are your friend's parents and you have, you're learning about this activism and these movements and you understand that, that, that the Black Panthers were really babies, right? They're teenagers. And so... I I very much took it upon myself to start to move in that direction. I was already an artist. I grew up without a television, so I was always a, about writing and the power of the word and a creative writer and a poet. Um, and so I think the way I navigated it was to write more poems, to to start being an MC, to um, engaging in activism. You know, like around the first Persian Gulf War you know, uh, walkouts from school and meeting with other high school students because we knew that the numbers were higher for people of color, specifically Black people, on the front lines during that war. And so in some ways that encapsulated me as I was navigating through this 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 different space. But it became very clear to me by the time that I was 16 that like I was going to be a rapper. This is what I was doing with my life. Okay. And at the time I was uh, in a professional youth dance company as a modern dance company. So I was fully enmeshed in the arts as well already. 
but yeah, I, I knew that at 16. And so I started doing that at 16 and started rhyming it at, at 17. Oakland is small enough where like you are going to encounter all the different pieces of it and all the different beautiful cultures um, and happenings that are here. And uh, thank God hip hop, you know, kept me on kind of like a path, right? And being an artist kept me on this this path where there was always something that was greater than whatever was happening um, on the blocks that I may have been on. Definitely. Um, I really appreciate like uh, the... Uh the atten- attention, I guess, to uh, different forms of art as well. Um, like you mentioned dance, but you mentioned also writing, creative writing. And I assume, and this is my next question, uh, what was the, I guess, uh, music you were being exposed to specifically that um, I would say inspired you in that case? Oh, I mean, my mother was also a DJ. Oh. And a photographer and all kind of things. She did right? it. <laughs> we still have. We still It'd have. Be a easy closet. to list what we she didn't a, do. <laughs> we still have a closet full of vinyl, like oh really vinyl in this wow. house. And yeah. and she gave me her her technique turntables. Like she oh, gave wow. me her turntables. I have you know all the stuff for that. Yeah. But so I was I was raised around a lot of world music and soul and also hip hop. Again, my mom had me when she was twenty one. Right. She's digging this, this, what we know then as rap. She's digging this, this art form as well. And so I, I, you know, I, I loved Michael Jackson and New Edition and Bob Marley and, you know, all kind of folks. But then we start getting into I love Slick Rick and I love Public Enemy. And, um, so I had a really eclectic, just life but but the music that I was exposed to and I mean I also I played the viola I was first string viola um in middle school and had actually been accepted to a school of the arts to play the viola so I could have had like these alternative life paths I I had a dream of going off to a small um uni and studying creative writing and being a, a creative writer and then excuse me I I could have been in an orchestra and and you know, played viola and I ended up, uh, I ended up at MC, <laughs> but it was a, it felt like a really natural progression for me, um, to move from poetry, um, into writing rhymes. But I was, I was just, I was always surrounded by so much different music. And I also, you know, love, uh, my godmother would play her guitar and she would, she would play Nancy Griffith on the radio and Dolly Parton and like all these, you know, who we know to be, to, to now be, they're great songwriters, right? They're beautiful songwriters. So I'm exposed to all these different awesome songwriters and singers um, from, from around, from around the world. And that's what influenced, influenced me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Honestly. Uh, do you ever, do you ever think about, um, the other parallel universes that you could have taken at that point because you know for me personally like may have may may could may possibly could have been a runner back in the day you know what i mean fast yeah. kid but then but then i found tv so i was like done that and then you know <laughs> that was that was pretty much it right and then i found writing at a very key time because i had a lot at that point a lot of time on my hands so i was just trying stuff out right and 
it's interesting you talking about just the myriad of avenues that you could have gone down. I was just wondering if you ever ever thought about I guess what your life could have been if you went down the I don't know, down the darts route or the down the viola route. Um I mean they would have been still creative routes, right? Sure. Creative yeah. pathways, but yeah, I'm not sure. I mean I, I I'm glad that I'm on the pathway that 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 I am. But then there's also the part to that, like in answering that of you know, I've gone from being a, a, an artist to stepping back and working in the music industry. I'm an educator. I've worked at nonprofits. I am now a, a co-writer and a co-director. I run my own label. I do all these things. And like my mentees are like, gosh, you have like a lot of lives, right? And 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 part of the reason I talk about those things is for us, I think that very often, um, not just in America, but around the world that we are kind of told as young people, you need to pick one thing, right? And, and refine your, your refine, master that and, and refine how you're able to do that. Um, and I do think it's good to, to, to move into a place of mastery with whatever we are passionate about. But I also think that we're incredibly um, multifaceted and diverse people. So I don't know. I can't imagine my life not, not being a hip hop artist, not being a, a member of digital underground of not being someone who's had the, the experiences that I had, around the world. And I'm one of those people who really believes that the universe works things out. And so if I was supposed to be play the viola and that was my life path, that's where I would have been, or I would have been a creative writer, but look, playing the viola allowed me to teach myself because I read music. It allowed me to teach myself to play the piano, which then impacted the way that I create harmonies and melodies mm. when I'm singing or in my cadence as mm. an MC, being a creative writer and going through the iterative process of take out the unnecessary words and what are you foreshadowing and who are your characters and how are you developing this? Those all made me who I am um, as an MC. So thinking about those different pathways no, I've more thought about like, what if art didn't save me? Would Great I even, question. Would, would I even be here, right? Sure. Talking with you, would I be sure. living and breathing still in this lifetime? And my answer that, that I've often found with that is probably not. I'm not sure that I would be, uh, even if I was here, I'm not sure that I would be uh, happy and fulfilled mm. human, human being. No, I feel that completely. Um, I've been um, consistently uh, lamenting over um, uh, the state of uh, art over here um, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, things like funding and um, opportunity and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's always a question to me of just like, 
I mean, I can't really imagine myself not being a creative in any sense. So <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's like, it's a rock and hard place, right? And, yeah. you know, I don't have, I, and there's another thing, <clears throat> my, uh, my mum recently retired, um, just from everything, right? And watching her get off the conveyor belt, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of like yet to step on it, so to speak, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it does fascinate me because a lot of the, I guess the, uh, the reason why I keep going is partly because of her, because I've seen her come home from work and, you know, just talk about how crap the day was. And why would, why would I want to do that? (laughs) Right, 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 right. Do you find, let me ask you a question. Do you find on your journey, since you are not yet on the conveyor belt, as you so eloquently put it in reference to the system of capitalism, um, do you do you find yourself thinking about like the variety or alternative of ways that you can use the types of creativity that you do as a writer, as a photographer, as a screenwriter, as do you think of how you could use these? Yeah. Do you think about the different areas, education or, you know, creating your own business or mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious how you think about those. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's always, I guess, um, something that, uh, you kind of like, I guess, have to think about or get in the habit of thinking about, um, when, uh, I guess the, you know, you might, <clears throat> you might reach a fork in the road at some point and you might get an opportunity to do something a little bit different from what you usually do. And that might lead yeah. to something completely different. Funny enough, um, a key chain in uh a key chain in my my life i guess and career wise is that uh the screenwriting work i'm doing right now emanated from uh when i was just doing interviews uh for my site when i was initially at that point transcribing words and stuff like that yeah. and and uh going over email chains uh I feel this format is just way, 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 way easier and much more, I guess, beneficial to, you know, just have conversations with people instead of just typing up questions on, on an email chain. But yeah. from that, from one of those, I went to, well, they invited me to like a showcase of the tunes and I went through and saw, uh, just ran into the dudes and he was like, what do you do? He was like, I'm a screenwriter. He was like, oh, funny enough, my son. Like, uh, needs a screenwriter. What's it got, got details in that? Um, that's literally how I'm, that's literally how I'm at, where I'm at at that point when it comes to my writing. And that came from literally just because, you know, I enjoy hip hop and yeah, I just started yeah. writing about it. And then I started doing some interviews with some eyes about it. So yeah. yeah, I answered your question definitely. Like, you know, you have, I love that. I love that. Very, I, yeah. I, and I think we're in a place in hip hop where like, as we celebrate the 50th anniversary, like, none of us ever thought that it would be where we are now as a, as a culture and as a, um, the business, uh, the global sure. kind of business sure. that, that, that exploits hip hop. Yeah. Um, and so none, none of us thought we would, it would be here, but it's so beautiful to see that people are 
educators, they're professors, they're running technology companies, they're directing films, they're, you know, I got to help write some arts, federal arts legislation. Okay. That, that if we could get it through, would impact how funding um, is able to be accessible across all the states of the United States of America. I'm not sure that the Republicans will ever sign on to it, but <laughs> whoever thought that I would be helping to write federal arts legislation, like, I think what we're seeing is are 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 the vast is the wrong word. They are mm. actually infinite possibilities <clears throat> for us as as creatives. And I think this idea that 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 still exists that maybe the arts aren't that valuable, you know, or being creative is not like a real job. Um, that's not actually what the data says, right? Um, to, to put it in, in that kind of language, um, we can be creative and impact every single sector of an economy. And I think that part of the power of what we can do as artists and creatives is think about how our art and how our, our, our kind of our tools, our art tools and our box of who we are as artists and creatives of how we can integrate or embed that in any area that we want to go into. Right. Mm. You know, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, like or, there's also so many people who have these great nonprofits and are doing cool things who, who come from hip hop. So I think it's um, we are powerful as mm -hmm. a culture and we are also powerful as, as people of color and of various different identities. We, we are powerful and we are unlimited. Yeah. And so it's not to say it's not challenging. It's not to say we don't need support systems. It's not to say that it doesn't take a lot of work, but I believe we can go anywhere that we want to go. And I hope that you as a creative, um, as you continue on your journey, I think that there are these places in our journey where we look at ourselves and we go, oh, oh shit, right? There's more, there's more possible here. Let me go after, let me yeah. go after that and, and really yeah. follow, really follow your passions. But here you are doing this amazing podcast that I really <laughs> wanted to be on. Yeah. So it's like you, you, with what you're doing as a creative and as a member of hip hop culture, you're also creating opportunities for us to engage in conversations that really provide opportunities for people to understand how dynamic we are within our culture. Right. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Thank you. Um, for that. <laughs> no, thank you, honestly. Um, yeah, so it's very um, it is rewarding to you know have conversations and especially nuanced ones as well. Um, you know, as a kid that's kind of grown up with you know the likes of Facebook and Twitter and all that, yeah. and has been very <laughs> very ingrained in it. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to have conversations on those things right because that's not what they're built for and right. it leaves me personally starving <laughs> sometimes yeah to, to, <laughs> to, you know i mean just to, to, especially when it comes to top you know certain topics um you know yeah. the topic of the day or whatever and it's just like it's 140 characters ain't enough and just seeing it on general just general text sometimes just doesn't work for me um, uh, yeah, me. so you know, and you and you know, you're talking about hip hop being 50, and I was, um, 
I'll, I'll put a pin in that because I'm. I was going to ask you um, at the back end of this uh, about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but um, we've gone on a tangent. We'll get back on track. Um, uh, we, I think we are on track. We we're I, talking about <laughs> hip hop and me yeah. and creativity. So yeah, yeah. Or, or may, maybe we're off on a tangent for what your plan was. I'm right. Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I don't. I, it's. Uh, we're talking, you know. What I mean, it's cool. I, don't, I, you know, yeah. I like, I like. Uh, I don't really. I'm not really one for like. Uh, you know, I have. I don't have notes. You know, sitting next to me or anything like yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mind freestyling. It's all good. It's all valuable, regardless. And uh, you know, impromptu conversations are the best conversation in my mind. Um, Indeed. But uh, yeah, on the MC front, um, you said you side MC him, and uh, on that front, the question I usually like to ask for fun is, uh, what were your first raps like? Um, I think my first rap I wrote was to Sheila to to Glamorous Life. She wants to lead a glamorous life she don't need, right? A man's touch. Um, and I think people are like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and the reason I say I think that's what happened is because it doesn't super stand out to me. I think I was just playing around. It wasn't sure. when I decided that that's what I was doing with my life. Um, and then when I decided it's what I was doing with my life, at, during that time, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist by the name of Jamal Ski, who was down with BDP. And he came and did a show um, in the Bay Area. And like, I was, oh, right. So I'm around this, I'm young. There's all these things that are happening. And um, as a poet, I was somebody like, do you want to, would you like to hear my poems, right? I would just read people my poems. And he was like, you should be an MC. Mm. Your poems are dope. And for some reason, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Thank you. Yes, I should. And, um, and my first, my first rhymes were not, I remember creating a song and using the MC wannabe big stuff. You're never going to get that far. Writing about that. But I was more interested in writing songs, not about my skill as an MC. Right. Um, because that's what I it was, was interested. Right? I was right, yeah, but I was interested in writing about our community, right, right. and the people. Mm-hmm. And I had some rhyme. My people of today, do you remember where you came from? I haven't forgotten the people from the mighty kingdoms, mm. right? Like this is also this time you've got Port Rogers teacher. You got all these amazing hip hop artists are that are that are out. You've also got West Coast developing and all these things. But um, and I came up with hieroglyphics, so. I'm around them as I start rhyming. We're all in high school. Um, A plus from Souls of Mischief. His mama and my mama live across the street um, from each other while we're in high school. Um, And so, yeah, my first rhymes were about that. I don't think that they were very, very complex. You know, we had vinyl at that point where you could grab people's instrumentals. I remember doing something to Cypress Hills uh, how I could just kill a man and like rhyming over that instrumental. Um, it was all kind of a whir. And to be quite honest, I think I was, I was, I was young enough and I was creative enough where I, I wasn't, 
I know that I wasn't dope from, from the beginning. Like I didn't just start rhyming dope, but like, I just knew I was good. I just knew that this is what I was, this is what I was meant to do. And if you kind of look at the trajectory of starting to rhyme when I'm 16 and by the time I am 19, um, I'm already linked in with conscious daughters and hieroglyphics and, and, and 19 somewhere in there, I'm starting to link with all the folks from digital underground. By the time I'm 20, I'm on my way into becoming a member of digital underground. Right. So this is a, it was a fairly rapid kind of, um, uh, process. And as I told my mom, I was like, well, but I'm, I'm good. This is what I'm supposed to do. And she, in her most loving way, and my mom is awesome. I love her dearly. was like, essentially like, baby, everybody thinks they're good. Right. And I was like, no, but you don't understand. I'm different. Mm. And, uh, and she was like, okay, you know? And so there was just something that I knew. I, I think there's things that we find in our life that we're just like, this is my calling. This, this is, this is me. I had no thoughts about how I was going to make money through it or these kind of things. Like, yeah. So my beginning rhymes were, were very much about, about, uh, about community and, and storytelling. I was still a creative writer. So I'm writing like these quirky stories, right. Right. Um, in the rhyme, so somewhere they probably exist on cassette tapes or somewhere. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that I have them, but that's how I, that's how I started writing. And it's always, I feel like uh, there was like a uh, an unfettered nature to it, right? Where like you said, you weren't thinking about how am I getting paid to do this? Yeah. You're just enjoying it. And yeah. you knew you knew other dope people that are, you know, that are considered legends now. Yeah, um, and we were creating it, right? Right. It didn't, yeah. it didn't exist like that at the time. We were creating it. Yeah. It was a time of creation. Think about hip hop with no hieroglyphics, no souls of mischief, no you know, no conscious daughters, no mm. Paris, no, no digital underground. No, right. These are, um, yeah, it was, it was just like we, we were creating something and we were all around each other and you had, you know, young people who were promoting, you know, young people who are creating the flyers for everything. They're, they're making their own kind of art. They're drawing. I love old school flyers. Painting. Yeah. Yeah. And so we there's, were, a, there's a Twitter account we that de- de- dedicated to them. I love it. I love, I love, I just love how, yeah. mm, I don't know. Just yeah. Look. There's some, there's some absolute, there's a lot to look at. Dope ones. There is, there is. And they, and they document, they document history. Like exactly. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. That's why, I, like, um, even uh, why why I hate now in life is just like, uh, even though it's uh, what's the word, uh, uh, easy, I guess, um, to get a digital ticket. Like, I I I just love having just physical tickets, just chilling. Ticket. I just yeah, I just love yeah. keeping them. I love I love keeping them, and Absolutely. it's a good, it's a it's an easy memory bank, right? And um. Yeah, I appreciate stuff like that. And especially when I found that old school flyers, um, 
Twitter page. I was just, <laughs> just, just posting <laughs> old stuff, and I was just like, damn, that would have been sick to be at. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. At that point, as you know, as you were very aware, you know, you guys didn't know what you guys were going to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, no, and we didn't. Did we, we we didn't necessarily know how to do it. We just yeah, we right. just did it, and we were just, yeah. we were we were young enough and free enough to just do it. And I think that now you still have people who are young enough and free enough to and and who are creating culture and yeah. moving culture forward. But I also think we're in a time where people are so preoccupied with how it connects to social media and how you go viral and, and, you know, um, and, and, and doing it for money and doing it for stature that, that, that impacts, um, that impacts the creativity. It impacts what's created. It impacts how free we are. And something that I continue to try to hold on to is like, to me, making albums, creating art is a sacred process. And I never want to, I never want to lose that. It doesn't matter how many albums I put out. It doesn't matter how much success that I've had. I am an artist. As I posted the other day, I am an artist, not an influencer. And I think we're in a, in a place where people want to be influencers and their art is a way to be an influencer, right? Or there's just all these different pieces to it, but I am an artist. That is who I will always be. I'm an artist, whether I sell my art or I don't. I'm mm. an artist, whether the public hears my heart, my, my, my heart through my art or the public, the public doesn't. I am an artist, period. That defines me. I am an artist and I am an educator. Those are the two loves and pathways of my life. And they are not, um, the value of them is not determined by anything that is um, outside of my own kind of um, personal world. It's an honor to be an artist and to, and to make and to make albums, but yeah, making art is a sacred process. Yeah, indeed. Um, you mentioned uh, influences, and I was uh, talk- I was thinking. Uh, I recently did an episode about, uh, and I was reading an article about just influences in general, and like, the argument was being made that ish uh, the, uh, the, the 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 job title should be a job title, so to speak, right? And there should be you know protections towards the people that participate in it because a lot of it can be um, extremely exploitative. And um, <laughs> it was it was hard because it was just like I I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to acknowledge the fact that something of that nature exists. Um, mm. <laughs> and, uh, but... I acknowledge that it exists. I'm just like I am not that. Sure, yeah, right. Yeah. Which doesn't doesn't it's it, it, and it's not me saying even that I'm better, right? Sure, it's just I, I am not I am not that. My life yeah. is not connected. But I mean, look, people should have rights, and if it, if things are being yeah. monetized, then yeah. people deserve to to benefit for that. I don't want people to be exploited yeah. but i also think that people need to understand 
the differences, I guess, the, the, yeah. the, the, the nuances, the, the, the nuances of it, and also understand um, perhaps how they contribute um, to things that are not particularly awesome um, with us sometimes as as a species or in our collective and what we value, right? Uh, every once in a while, like once a month or once every couple months, I go through TikTok for you know 20 minutes or so that's about how much more than me i can do but i laugh so hard and i think i'm laughing sometimes at things that i'm not supposed to (laughs) okay but i'm like is this what we're really doing right right this is this is this is and i'm like yeah that's not what i do bless you if that's what you if that's what you do but yeah there should be there should be there should be protections um in any in any area in which things are being um, monetized and whether those protections um, are defined by the community or they are defined by kind of regulations, government regulations, um, you know, whatever the best way is to, to do that. Um, yeah. But I am not an influencer. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, another, another word that, uh, is on my is on my ban list recently is uh the the word content um content that's part of being an influencer though i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> this i want you to finish this because i don't want to just jump in but i have some <laughs> thoughts about content because i feel like that's the that's the that's the word that blurs shit when it comes to art i feel um mm-hmm. so you know do people um i feel like some people consider you know um something like a music video content right mm-hmm. and i feel like that when you when you go down that route to think of it as that it changes immediately and the mm. the 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 reasoning to do so i guess it all comes back to you know and under the it's kind of burying the lead of just like why are you doing this you know what I mean? Yeah. And why why are you why are you dropping this album? Why are you dropping this music video? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. is it <laughs> is it because you were you know, you were in you were in your creative flow and you just like got into inspiration, you're just like this is what I wanna drop, I feel like it needs to drop, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And do some planning behind it, of course, due diligence and all that. But there's also, I guess, a a machinery element to some yeah. sometimes, and I feel like that's just what that's why I feel that's why I consider content. I can't, you know, outright. It's a, it's not a it's not a ubiquitous term, yeah. I guess, in that fashion. Yeah. In the way I'm yeah. in the way I'm yeah in the way I'm teeing it up, but you've used the word yeah. nuanced, and I think that that content can be nuanced because people people consider netflix stuff content they reference it as content right 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 right, they're films they're tv shows when when i was a younger artist people at the label would talk about my art as product right the product i would be like it's not product it's my art right i now own a record label right beautiful sound works i have a distributor for digital i have a distributor for physical um, I have a business partner. There are strategies and plans that are put together. I have a publicist. There are these things and there are conversations in that sense 
I call them assets more often from my work behind the scenes in the music business. Assets that are, but that's because we were delivering them to platforms um, or your cover art asset, right? But I think we have this collision of like um, terms that are really, Really about capitalism that are oh, not yeah. about art <laughs> that absolutely to... overshadow but the reason I said oh my goodness I'm gonna let you put this here but <laughs> I, I have thoughts about content is you yeah. know a really good friend of mine and somebody who who I've done business with is like yeah you need like 20 pieces of content for everything that you are releasing and I'm like <laughs> I don't you know like when I when and I and I, I create these assets to to make sure the publicist has something to make sure the distributor has something that that we can kind of put what it is because you can be the dopest artist in the world and nobody ever hears you and part of like when i did the crowdfunding for a black love trilogy which for people who are like she's talking about a black love trilogy what is that so the last album i released is called dreaming and cursive the girl who loves sparklers and i took three songs from that and created this idea for something called a black love trilogy so it's three separate music videos but really there'll be a short film and it tells um the story and takes us on a journey and uplifts positive healthy grown black love in order to do this I had to crowdfund and it was successful but part of the way that I presented it was like the only way for me to try to get my art to as many people as I can in the world when I've intentionally created art that's about affirming us as as black people affirming us as people of color affirming us as people who live in slums who live in communities where all the systems that exist are oppressing and exploiting us to say to say we are still beautiful and we are still powerful and we are still worth loving and you are so you are so beautiful and magnificent the only way that I can get that message out is to try to have some visuals, which then connects to creating content. But I have these moments where I'm like, this is my art though. I'm creating these assets and these pieces because how else am I supposed to get the art art to the people? But, but my Instagram is about my life. It's not content. Hopefully people can see that when I post something that's about merch, I don't know, maybe I'm comfortable with that being called uh, content. But like, these are just pieces and ways of me trying to get my art to people. So yeah, I don't know. I've always felt this conflict between, you know, the the art and the capitalism. And content is one of those, content is one of those words. Asset is, is probably one of those words too, right? And so- I don't know, maybe we need to create, what, what What would you call it? Or do we need to create new language that exists? Because I'm not an influencer and my art is not content. Yeah, I am an artist and this is my art and mm. I am putting it on these platforms in a way in which you can access it. And so maybe it's about us as creatives, as artists, being intentional about the language that we're, that we're using. And why I woke up this week and decided I needed to say, I'm an artist. I'm not an influencer. I'm not sure, but I felt that deep in my heart. And there was no particular post. There was no particular thing that I saw. And I think after this wonderful conversation with you, I am going to be, I really want want us to collectively think about this term content. 
yeah. and these terms assets and, yeah. and what they mean. Is your music video content or or is it a, a visual narrative? Yeah. That helps to share the 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 theme and the story being told in your audible art. Yeah. Right. Um so anyways, I could actually go off on it on a tangent <laughs> on how the things that we call content are actually no. um, what I tried to do with the new album is have it all be an artistic experience. And yeah. so the, those short videos in the short film will not be content. Those are visual narratives of the audible art that I created, the recipes that I created to go with the songs on the album. That is part of a sensory experience of understanding the art that I've created. This is all about touching senses and, and love, and, and that's not content. That's great. <laughs> that was a, that was a, that was a long piece, but yeah. Yeah. The influencer and my art is not content. Yeah. Uh, I feel. I think the. I'm always. I'm always fascinated by you know how I guess language evolves right over time, mm. and I think it does a lot, especially these days, uh, where just people, um, you know. Uh, switch up words to mean something different and it 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 comes it comes off as hard but i feel once you get enough people to just buy into it it doesn't really matter um i mean shit do i do i i (laughs) i i don't i i'm i'm debate i'm funny enough forking the road for me in terms of this uh where i'm going to take this interview uh Because a word that came to mind was woke, right? And, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a, it, and, pe- and certain people have made it a lot. But it's not, it's kind of, uh, I guess, uh, odd in a sense, because why don't you want to be better in certain senses, you know what I mean. So it's it's just it's a weird thing to lament against, I guess, and to and to throw a fist up at. Um, it's just it's weird to me. Um, yeah, you got to do it how it's comfortable for you, right? And I right. think that that's that's key and it's crucial, and that's what I tell my 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 huge number of mentees that I have. Right? Yeah, we talk about these things, and they want to be creatives and artists, mm-hmm. and it's so heavy for them to think about that they have to create this content that they are trying to go viral that they are doing these things and I'm like you don't owe anybody your life you don't owe anybody these these pieces and there's no part of this that should impact your mental health right your spiritual health even your physical health you cannot do that to yourself mm. Even if it does get you part of the way or closer to where you want to be as an artist or creative and and business person, it is not sustainable. Definitely. Um, You mentioned uh, your latest album, and uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to 
do this without talking about your music because I'll just be <laughs> odd to just interview someone and not talk about what they've done. And not talk about, talk about Right. So, yeah, I, I feel like uh, it's worth a mention. So uh, you did mention it, obviously. Um, yeah. Uh, I wanted to throw something by in terms of just what I thought about when I was listening to your work, um, uh, listening to your free albums kind of like back to back to back. Um, because it was fascinating. I feel that your most recent work, Dreaming Cursive, um, it came off as, and obviously there's a, a bunch of time here that we haven't covered between your mm-hmm. first and your second and your third, um, you know, literally spanning 20 years, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's crazy thing about. And it's hard for me to, it's, it's hard for me to ask this question and for it not to be, uh, loaded. Um, but well, this statement anyway, <laughs> the statement anyway. But when I was listening to your latest album compared to the other two, mm-hmm. I felt like there was a, there was less, uh, I guess, uh, outright anger going through it. Because your latest album, I feel when I was when I, I remember when I first listened to it, I wanted to tell you this because yeah. sometimes when I, you know, take in a certain album and I'm doing something alongside it, I rarely and and it just hits in a certain fashion than if I just listen to it yeah. on my laptop, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I listened to it, uh, when it dropped, I was on you're, the way you're, to you're the dreaming and cursive for the first yes. album. I'm trying. Okay. Yeah, dreaming yeah. and cursive. I was I was not old enough to listen to it the first time. Well, I mean, you listened to it recently. I, so. I, yeah, I've wasted. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the third album when it came out last year, uh, I was on the way to London, and I think it was Green Light. Oh, butter Green Light, butter Green Light, and the and the and the kind of like interlude beforehand where you're talking to Homegirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on. I was. I was. I was coming. In, I was literally coming into like central London, and there was just a. There was just a. A burst of like. Uh, I don't know. Just like a burst of dopamine in my brain at that point while oh, I was listening oh. to it. It was very fascinating, and I. I can't. Oh, wow. It's one. It's one of those listening moments I just don't forget, and yeah, I wanted to tell you that. that. But yeah. Thank you. Pretty sure. Yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah, there's yeah. A, did you have a question in there about the, the journey yeah. of feel across those albums? Yeah, I get, yeah. So the, the, I guess the through line is very different. And as somebody that has created works that have spanned so much time, cause you know, there are some artists that have dropped less than you. There are some artists that have mm-hmm. dropped more than you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for you personally, I guess, how do you encapsulate, uh, those uh how the albums feel i guess um now retrospectively um as opposed to when you initially dropped them is there any difference um the most obvious difference for me between the first album which is called cuts for luck and scars for freedom right great name by the way listen to the titles thank you outstanding um and the second album was called beautiful resistance right so i'm very much about how these titles represent kind of where i am Yeah, it sounds like you put four in it i appreciate it uh, yeah thank you for cuts for luck and scars for freedom i was still what i call a a broken black girl Mm. i am now 
how a healed black woman with dreaming in cursive. Yeah. What we hear in Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom, as it is with most artists' first albums, that album dropped when I was 27. Those songs are reflective of 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 sometimes a very tumultuous time period in my life from a teen into my 20s of the police killing people that I know, um, having a lot of people that I love who are drug dealers, right? But but that album, and what I think is a through line through the albums is that I walk this really particular kind of space in my art that is between the world is falling apart and we are beautiful and and this is life. And there are things that we need to celebrate and we have to find a way forward and we need to beautifully resist and we need to understand how we're connected together. So Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom, that's where I am. I listen to that and I, I want to tell the girl who made that album, oh, I love you, mama. Yeah. Oh, you are so powerful. Yeah. Um, and And so vulnerable. And I think vulnerability is also a through line creatively creatively when we get to beautiful resistance which drops in 2014 first album was 2001 um beautiful resistance drops in 2014 but i started creating it in 2004 during this time period in my life where i had stepped back from the music industry and returned to school i was a high school dropout right um and then went and had this fabulous musical career and i had stepped back from it and put myself in community college I'm recording that album out back outside of the industry, not because the label pushed me out or my booking agent pushed me out or my lawyers pushed me out, but because, and they all thought I, there was something wrong with me and I was crazy, but I stepped back from the industry uh, based on me, not anybody else. I could have stayed in the limelight at the height of my career, but what was happening, I just, I was, I was like, I'm stepping back. So that, but that beautiful resistance album is created outside of the industry. I'm back to making art Mm. just to make art. Nobody knows that I'm creating this. I primarily record it with Eli from living legends, although the beat miners have some stuff on there, Zen sample 208, but I'm in a different place and I'm healing. Right. That's part of what I did when I stepped back from the business is, is I got to work on my healing. I got to re- rediscover that I am smart, that I love school and knowledge, that I am worthy in ways that were disrupted by the trauma that I, ex- I experienced. So people are like, she talks about this trauma. So I was raped when I was 12. I told no one. This mm. a- impacted my entire life my educational trajectory absolutely everything right um and impacted how happy i was and where i was and how how do you how do you have this beautiful way that you're brought up in this hippie childhood and all these things and you're so loved and then bam somebody like tries to steal a part of who you who you are are. So that's that broken black girl on that first album. Beautiful Resistance is me claiming, further claiming the in process um, young woman that I am and seeing myself in a different 
a different way and learning to love myself in a different way of defining this term of beautiful resistance as being not just something that is about beautiful resistance to oppressive systems, but the beautiful resistance that is within each of us to like resist a world that tries to, uh, a world that often doesn't valorize us. And as a woman, a world and societies that often exploit and abuse us that that so that's beautiful resistance and I'm going through there and and so we don't release it till 2014 but it's done at least by 2009 2008 or something because I'm recording it while I'm in school yeah and then when it comes time to make dreaming and cursive this is this i've now got my masters i've gone from community college to uc berkeley i'm a published scholar on equity and education in an international context looking at post-apartheid curriculum reform in south africa i've studied in south africa i go over to england and i study at oxford i get my 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 msc in comparative and international education my research is on the use of culturally relevant arts education by educators of color with with elementary students of color i i'm healed i am happy i am empowered i am grown and i start create and i'm back working with children again and i start making beautiful resistance i mean sorry i start making dreaming and cursive yeah with walt liquor who produced the entire album and so the feel of it is 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 different this is the first album that I have created in my life that is not informed by pain. Right. Right. Definitely. I still comment on the world yeah. and the structures of inequality mm-hmm. and how we need justice. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm still walking that line where I'm like, the world is falling apart, but ah, love is so important. Yeah. And we need to be with each other. And that beautiful resistance is so important. And there's so much that that can happen in life. So that thank you for allowing me to to provide that kind of longer answer. But I think people wonder what it's such a long period between these albums and what and there is a different feel. I am first a woman, a human and a woman before I am an artist. Yeah. And my art reflects my life. I don't sit down and go. Oh, let me make an album. Uh, how do I create this to sell this? I go make art as a sacred process and it reflects reflects my life. And so dreaming in cursive reflects a grown, happy, healed um, woman who is loving up our collective children and educational spaces. You know, your culture is beautiful. You are beautiful. Your hair is beautiful. Your communities are beautiful. You are worthy and deserving. And for people who are incarcerated and for people who are exploited and for women who are disappeared and stolen and, and for those who are killed by the police, uh, for the continuing colonialism and imperialism within all of these things. We are beautiful and powerful and important. And I love you. And I was also trying to say, I love you back on that first album. And I was also loving people on that first album. It just sounded different when we're Mm. broken and we're hurt. The way that we express that is different. Even though I was trying to hold on to love. That's something that Shakti rest in power, my mentor, my brother, something that, that, I think he really 
valued in me is that I experienced this trauma, but I was still like, I still so fiercely believed in love and the trauma, the world did not, was unable to steal that from me over these past 20 years. I am closer to the child. I told you who I was when I was growing up before the trauma. I am closer to that little girl who believed in magic and believes in the power of the world and love and community than I have ever been in my life. So that's my, that's my answer about the albums. But I think that, that when, and I encourage people to go back and start with cuts and then go to Beautiful Resistance and then go to Dreamy and Cursive if they have the time and, and think about my journey uh, of womanhood my journey of healing and my journey as an artist as I free myself more and more from feeling like there's some particular way that I need to sound as an MC in hip hop, right? I am an artist. If I want to sing, I sing. If I want to rhyme, I rhyme. If I want to do a poem, I do a poem. Um, whatever my artistic tool is. So yeah, that's my art and my music. And also, I always said that I wanted to be like Sade. Sade's <laughs> album like every 10 years. I didn't know when I put right. that in the universe that I was sure. going to do like the, 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 the same thing. But, you know, I, I don't want to go back to capitalism and content, but, but there's this idea that we produce, we produce, we produce, we produce. Yeah. And, um, I, I talk about these things in the context of input and output. Life is input. Art is output. And mm-hmm. I don't have anything to output or to share with the world unless I go have life. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that I could go and get an education and, you know, do all these things and heal and, and, um, and, and come back and share my art and have people be, be receptive to that. It feels uh, natural to uh, go on to the end game here. Yeah. But on the flip, <laughs> but but also the flip, but also the flip side, there is so much like that could easily just be uh, that we could talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, time is a uh, constraint in this point, I, I guess. Know. <laughs> um, but hey, man, just uh, sets up, I guess. Um, uh, potential for catch up whenever that happens. Um, yeah, but yeah. as you finish on two questions, uh, but since it's you, I have a third one as well. And, uh, I said I put a pin in the hip hop being 50. Um, yeah. and I wanted to ask you simply, um, at 50, uh, what does hip hop mean to you? Hip hop at 50, what does it mean to me? It means we are powerful and brilliant and we took over the whole world, right? That's what hip hop being 50 is. But um, yeah, hip hop, do you mean like, how do I feel about hip hop generally at 50 or like? I have to ask uh, that yeah, question. you can go down the state of state of union like I, like I did last uh, January or just uh, or uh, just how I guess it's helped you in in your growth or uh, what it's meant to you over the past um 50-ish years or whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, t- I turned 49 this month and hip-hop turns 50 this year. Yeah. I have literally grown up 
with Literally. this culture and created in this culture. And um, yeah, when I was a kiddo, I'm not sure I imagined being 49 either. When I was a teenager, I never really thought I would live past the age of 21. So it's kind of like here, here we are and look at what we've created. It's also we're at a time where we are losing um, people who help to, to define and create this culture. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's um, my brother, Shakti, but also, you know, Zumbi from Zion Eye and Gift to Gab and most recently Dave from Dayla and we have DMX and we have, and it goes on and on and on. Um, part of the cycle of life is that it's, you know, It's constantly in motion. And part of, I think, the cycle of hip hop is as a culture is that it's constantly in motion. And where we are at 50, I think that there are some exciting, some exciting artists and some exciting opportunities. And I'm not going to get into naming them. Um, and I also think that we're at a time where we really need to look at ourselves and how we want to protect our culture as we move forward and how we can be culture keepers and what it looks like to really own our culture and the various different elements as, as, you know, MCs, as DJs, as dancers, as aerosol artists, you know, all of it. Um, And educators. Yeah. And and educators, you know, like what, how, where is it that we want to, we want to go with this, but you got people who are professors at universities now. You have educators in in classrooms who are developing curriculum that is using hip hop pedagogy. Who who ever thought? So I'm in amazement as we hit fifty, and I'm also just like I'm really thankful to be here, and I'm thankful that that I'm that I'm part of it. And I think it's going to be an exciting um, year long celebration. I hope that when we get past the 50th anniversary and we get into the 51st year, I hope that people are caring as much about the people who created this culture as they seem to be right now on their award shows and, and in their articles and in their interviews. Let's keep talking about the importance of the culture. Let's keep talking about where we're going. Let's keep discussing what our responsibility is for those of us who have been part of the culture for a great deal of our lives and and, and are in our 40s and 50s and 60s. And and what is our responsibility to the younger artists who are developing within the the culture and also... You know, yeah, I think we need to 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 help define where that pathway is going because we're losing we're losing our young people within our culture as well. Definitely. Right. So yeah, I have a lot of feelings about the 50th anniversary, but I think it's exciting. And like I got I'm part of the, the inaugural class for the, the Bay Area Hip Hop Archives. Sweet. And I think if it wasn't 50th anniversary, I'm not sure we would be launching Bay Area Hip Hop Archives. Um but I think it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing. Whoever thought we would be in universities and yeah. we would be in museums the same way that Western white culture has been valorized, that we are valorized, we are put into the legacies that exist for the future to be able to be created. Definitely. So that's 50th for me. That's beautiful. Um, you mentioned uh, 
well, you held yourself back from shouting out people, but um, funny enough, one of my questions is, uh, as we finish, uh, what have you been spinning, listening to, watching, reading, consuming, that we'd uh, recommend yeah. to the people? Yeah, so last month was February, a.k.a. what I call Additional Black History Month, but also was the launch of what will forever now be known as Additional Love Month which is a month that I created full of programming to uplift love and center love and discuss love as a collective. And part of where that came from was from Bell Hook's book, All About Love. And so I want to encourage people to read that book. And then also it won't, people can't, can't, can't see this, but I just started reading this book, um, ghost stories, tall tales and superstitions from Alabama, ghosts and goosebumps. Um, which I am excited about. It's a collection of folktales, right? And and folktales in community college, I did an AA in anthropology with a certificate of competence in in like culture. And so I'm deeply interested in in culture and people and their stories and spirituality and all these pieces. And so, yeah, these are all about, all about folktales. So, but I would recommend people to read Bell Hooks All About Love. Um, and because it has discussions on how we collectively define love um, and it looks at love in a variety of different ways. And I think it's important to understand ourselves and, and, and self-love and also collective love and the components of love. Um, and then what I'm listening to, well, I really, I've, I've been, I mean, I own all the physical albums, but I've been streaming day law. If we're talking yep. about right this moment, because what yep. a beautiful thing, right? Like I got my master's back to cuts for luck and scars for freedom. I know what it feels like to like get your shit back. Right. I mean, that doesn't sound eloquent, but to get your art back that you created, that's your life. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been streaming, streaming De La, but in the past year, I really, really appreciated Kendrick's album. It was like a therapy session on wax. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. What have I really? I've been listening to so much music that it's hard to even kind of think about. But um, well, right though. Yeah, but but then I also would point people to listen for additional love month. I created this all about love, the story of us playlist. I didn't just create it myself. I reached out to to friends and ex lovers and peers and um fellow educators and you know street cats and all kind of people and said give me five songs that represent love to you give me the titles the 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 version and the artist if necessary any genre and so that playlist is you know 20 something hours long (laughs) and hundreds of songs and spans any genre that you can think of from country to soul yeah. to rock to yeah. classical, yeah. reggae, hip hop. And so, yeah, I would point people over to listen to that. What's kind of beautiful about that list is it's truly eclectic and diverse. And, uh, and so, yeah, did that answer that? So that's, I've been working on creating that. Yeah. But people who contributed to that list, you know, Quest Love, sent me playlists to select from um, Rich Medina, who's amazing, um, sent me songs. 
Um, Chino Excel sent me songs. Um, yeah, so many, so many people. Maya Jupiter, who's down from Yahweh, she sent me songs. Um, yeah, world beloved poets sent me songs. So, yeah, I guess I've been li- listening to love songs. That's and I've been listening to a lot of my music because I'm trying to prepare for live shows. Sure, definitely. Um, I was trying to figure five as you're talking. Um, but uh, <laughs> funny enough, you meant funny enough you mentioned five uh, because uh, the question I always finish on uh, is put simply, what is your top five? Um, I preface it with that uh, it's obviously your top five, so it can be about anything that we've talked about. Um, doesn't have to be anything we talked about. It could be as broad or as specific as you like. Um, My top five of what? Anything. As broad Anything. or as specific as you like, could be top five pasta shapes for all I care. But it's your top five. You take it where you want to take okay. it. Okay. Well, I like that because I, if it's anything, I'm going to do top five things that I must have in my kitchen as a home chef. Okay. My top things. Um, capers. capers. I absolutely love. Um, tamarind sauce. Organic, of course. Sure. Garlic. Yeah. Really good olive oil. Okay. Slash truffle oil. And and just anything fresh from the garden. Okay. That would be my, my five. Yeah. I know you're like, did she really just do all the, the things from the kitchen? But that's my top five. I'm so glad you didn't ask me for like, I guess I could have done top five rappers. But I'm yeah, yeah, well, that. yeah, no. You know. uh, but I, get cra- I've get mentioned creative. artists who I, there's artists who I, who I, who I love. And I, you know, I've mentioned uh, uh, a lot of, yeah. a lot of things. But, yeah. you know, I could have said one through five is just love. Sure. I I love love and the world needs more love. Definitely. So that's my, that's always my top five. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> the funny the, the funny thing the funny thing is as you're talking about uh, stuff you want in your kitchen or have to have in your kitchen um, is that I usually just um, the tiles of every interview is um, like usually just like uh, a quote from the interview itself. Um, yeah. but I don't know, man. I just feel like the word eclectic is just, just the one word <laughs> I feel like needs to be used and that's it. Like just eclectic. I, I, I like that. I like that. When I was growing up, I'll, I'll kind of close with this. When I was growing up, yep. you know, my mom is an eclectic, diverse thinker and she didn't fit in boxes. And I sometimes asked her, why do you see like this? Right. And my hands are making wavy motions that people can't see as I talk instead of like this, which is my hands going straight, straight forward. And the beauty of owning more years is who wants to be straightforward? Who wants to do that? Who wants to fit into, to, to norms? I want to be free and be myself and, and be an artist. Exactly. Wonderful. Mystic. This has been uh incredibly enlightening um and uh a bit of sweet because i just uh there's this is so much this is so much <laughs> <laughs> write a book please memoir something like that like, i feel like uh 
Uh, I feel oh, like you have, a, you have enough. You. I, you have, I don't, you have I enough. don't know if I will, but thank you. Thank you so much. Have you found my, have, did you find my podcast? I did. I did. Yeah. So for people uh, who yeah, are listening here, they can also Pick it up. find yeah. Mystic behind the journey on any platform. And although that's really connected to the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. of Cuts for Luck and Scars for Freedom, it also gives some further insights into yes. my my yeah. life and development and healing and my crew and and yeah. everything over the past the past 20 years. But I might write a book one day, but I also say I am one of the most private public people who you will ever meet. I like that. I'm going to steal that. That's good. <laughs> thank you for having me today, though. And just Appreciate thank you. Thank you going back to to the week that the Dreaming and Cursive album dropped. And, and you guys did a, a beautiful review of it. And I love hearing people talk intelligently about hip hop. Thank you. Uh, and so that, that just, that means the world to me. It meant the world to me then. And uh, I'm just in gratitude for you having me on here today um gratitude for just everything we've talked about and um giving us uh, just a just a little bit just a little bit of your story your background uh but yeah man just a a little bit (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much thank you Okay, so that was my interview with Mystic, and I don't think that I've ever had a more just just perfect last, let's say, forty-five minutes. Um, I feel that when I do interviews, I feel that I feel the need to give them the platform to paint their own canvas right as well as the that's the that's the way I think about doing these interviews right but that's not my end goal you know it's not really the end goal the end goal for me and the stuff I like to know and the the place I want to be when it comes to talking to these amazing people that I have over the years is that I want to talk to them about kind of anything and everything, but also uh, what they're the most passionate about. And that that segment, that one segment where where she just talks about her albums and the depth she goes into it, uh, into answering it, is just is perfect for me. That's exactly what I look for when it comes to doing these interviews. And, you know, sometimes it's a, a, I feel, I feel a prerequisite to, you know, get this person's story first because not everybody knows everybody, right? That's the kind of the world we're at right now. And that's fine. You know, everyone has their own tastes, right? But that's why I enjoy doing these because you get to know different people. Um, you know, I mentioned Apex Zero at the start of this episode, and you know, I stick by the comparison because it's very fascinating. Um, but you know, I've talked to other people as well, not even just music, by the way. You know, I try to 
Um, I tr- I I make a, an attempt to go other places, but I just um I just don't <laughs> for whatever reason that just keeps coming back to music for me. Um, but it is what it is. But yeah, man. I just uh I love loose interviews, and this was the loosest yet, and um I I really like that. I really like it, and this um definitely one of my favorite episodes I've done so far. One of my favorite interviews I've done so far, especially that segment about our albums. It's just um. Yeah, that's that's what I look for. That's what I look for. And I I I like talking about the things I care about. That's what this podcast is about. That's what's good. That is what's good to me. It's me talking about things I care about. And these interviews for me is for what they care about. And it's clear she cares about a lot of things and we talked about a few of them. Um Without getting to know her story fully, we didn't even get into her education background. Um, she did some education. Uh, she did some. Um, uh, I mean, she mentioned talk. Uh, I think uh, going back to school and stuff, but we didn't get into any detail. We didn't even talk about her freaking affiliation with Digital Underground, which is such a, in my mind, the key side of her. Um, but we didn't even get there. And usually, I would feel a bit disappointed, but I, I don't in this case because. I got so much, I can't really hate, <laughs> I can't really hate um, on the fact that we didn't get to it. We'll get to it one day, who knows? You know what I mean? That's that's why I hope for anyway. Um, so, a little bit of, um, what's the word? A uh, little bit of uh, housekeeping as, uh, as we finish up. I'm going to drop um, Mystic's uh, link tree, um, that, and that's another thing that's great about her. I've never seen a link tree with so much in there. It's, it's absolutely outstanding. Um, so you will find obviously her music. Um, I suggest Bandcamp personally. Um, I forget which album it is. Whether it's uh, the first, whether it's um, Cast for Luck or uh, Beautiful Resistance, but one of them um, has the quote unquote full album there that the streaming sites don't. So I recommend. Uh, if you're going to listen to her music, listen to her on Bandcamp. Um, also, have uh, she has a remix opportunity going on a podcast as well um, that she mentioned. That's also in the link tree. It's called uh, Mystic Behind the Journey, um, and that's a uh, very enlightening. Uh, if you want to know more uh, about Mystic's um, story, because uh, she does cover a lot of ground uh, with that little podcast, and uh, also uh, she wanted to ask me person, wants me personally to basically just, I don't know, call out, I guess. Um, she's trying to get back into uh, performing live and uh, she actually wants to come out to here in the UK. Um, so if there are, if you guys know any promoters, any uh, people that just, yeah, people that hook up shows and stuff like that and uh, any anything in that fashion um, that could um, hook Mystic up in terms of getting a show out here, please um hit her up um she's on all socials via um that girl mystic but just hit the link tree and you'll find literally everything there because yeah like i said there's a lot there um so hopefully that's it um i will say finally personal message to mystic if you want someone to help you write that thing that we talked about off wax id you had let me know i hope you write i'll help you edit either way i'll help just let me know you know where I'm at. All right. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we're finished there for on the 5th M Podcast Network. I have been Charlie Taylor and this has been what's good. Andrew Music was to 
Baxter by Brock Berrigan and Interlude Music Wars with you by Tesk. Thanks to your music for the bit of use. You can find all the links in the full show notes. And with that said, I hope you have a good week. I sure always try and do the same. Until the next time. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.